Hi, I'm Dion Leonard. Really excited to be on the Training for Ultra podcast. You may know me better as Finding Gobi or Gobi's dad, but uh, I'm also a runner as well, so it's going to be cool to chat to you all today about all of those things in detail. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man, so keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone. It's the Training for Ultra podcast. We've got Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? If I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. Welcome to episode 170 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we got an awesome episode. We have Dion Leonard on. We talk basically pre race, pre Badwater 135 type stuff. So hopefully, you get some pretty cool insights here from Dion. And auto, audio quality is good, but we were shooting for video, so we might use one or two clips in his video or film that I'm trying to put together for his race. Um, this weekend, I'm headed out to do the Silver Rush 50, so definitely check out YouTube. I'll, I'll put out a, most likely I'll put out a pre-race kind of attempting Leadman pre-50 mile thoughts going into that race. And... Just really appreciate you guys subscribing to YouTube. Uh, really appreciate the Patreon supporters. Love the behind the behind the scenes kind of Facebook group type conversations that we have there. I truly enjoy those. And big thank you to Exoskin. Check out the show notes for the best coupon available there. Just really high tech gear. Great company. Also for Hammer Nutrition, if you need a code there. Um, Definitely check them out. I'll be eating quite a few hammer gels. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. Really appreciate all your support. Dion, thank you. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. I mean, we've had Dion on a few times now. He's a friend of the show for sure. And there's not many people I would drop everything to go out and help crew and pace than Dion. So thanks for joining me. Hey, looks it's going to be awesome to have you out there and you know, thinking about it, we're going to be together with the rest of the crew for 30 odd hours. So you want to be with people that you actually like. So that's a benefit. <laughs> you're going to be running. You're going to be suffering. I'm going to see the best of you. I'm going to see the worst of you. And I mean, honestly, the entire crew and, and pacing capabilities is going to be in a single car in Death Valley. Like equally, not equally, but we're going to be suffering too. So you'll get to see the best of me and the worst of me, most likely. Yeah, and I think that's what makes the race so unique is there are no checkpoints along the way. There's no, uh, I guess, aid stations that are going to help and support you. It all comes from your crew. It all comes from the one vehicle that you're allowed. So there's a crew of four people, including yourself, that all have to be there, gel, 
get out, pace me as well, but also, like you said, crew and all of those aspects of getting my drinks and getting food ready and looking after me as well, but also looking after yourselves while you're out there together for for 30 odd hours as I mentioned earlier I think that's it's an incredible challenge and it's it I reckon it's going to be easier to run it than actually crew it it's almost like you need ultra runners to crew because the the sleep deprivation and everything else going on like the ability to make decisions on the fly after not sleeping for a day like really it, it is like ultra running I mean, who else are you trusting with this important race of yours? And you've been there. You've you've run races over 200 miles nonstop and you know what it takes to get there mentally and also physically and you know how important the crew is to be there for you. Um, and that's why it's so wonderful to have you on board as part of the team and bring your experience and knowledge along. And, you know, it's it's getting the right people together that can not only get me to the finish line but also can get you guys as crew to the finish line together as well because the last thing we want is the crew falling out halfway through the race somewhere and um you know because that would be a disaster as well so considering that the crew also has to sort of be there every two and a half miles for the runner that's a lot of getting in and out of the car that's a lot of getting things prepared for the next stop and it's not like you guys are going to be sitting in the car and going to have much time to yourselves either so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how it all play you know plays out during the day and the night. You'll be physically pushing, and I think Lucia. I mean, she's training for the triple crown, obviously, but then the sleep deprivation, like the mental aspect, and and she's put herself in as you know crew chief as well. She she sort of self designated that role, and uh, so I had no choice. That's also kind of cool to fall back on and say, well, you decided that you were going to be head crew, so. Um, but who else better to be there for me and knows me inside and out and we've been together over 20 years and through highs and lows throughout our journey we've we've both been fat to fit and we've had you know our ups and downs with life like everyone else and I think she's going to be a wealth of knowledge not only from a running point of view and all of the tough and incredible races that she's already done but also of course being there for me to sort of keep me going when the times will get tough and of course there's going to be plenty of those for her to have to dig me out of as well so i mean everyone watching or listening is going to be wondering like are we taking goby in the car like do you want to do you want to so we don't get any angry uh fans like why would you put your dog in death valley in a van or whatever you want to share some of that background (laughs) A, a crew of four people in one car but actually, we have a crew of six people, two others that are going to be one. One person's actually going to be out in Death Valley and take some of our belongings and our goods. They can actually meet us at the last uh, post, I guess, at Lone Pine, which is 120 odd miles in. So the other person, the sixth person, is actually my uh, good friend Dawn, who has crewed me at Western States. She's coming to look after Gobi and my cat, Lara, as well. So they've got special treatment, someone flying all the way over from Chicago just to look after the animals, which is kind of cool. So it's a, it's a team of six that's really going to make it happen. Of course, it would be awesome to have Gobi like running into the finish line, but too hot, 
and too dangerous and too difficult to have her there for the whole race. So, yeah, of course we won't have her there. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And it's awesome that someone is helping on, on that level. But at the same time, if Gobi went missing again, it would be, uh, yeah, you can't have that happen ever again. You know, you're coming over from Denver and your parents are coming in to help as well, I, I understand. So it's just so wonderful to see everyone committing. Uh, Aaron, who's coming from uh, Austin, Joe, the other crew member who is coming from uh, Flagstaff. So, you know, it's just incredible to see everyone putting the time and commitment, money and effort in uh, to be there, which, you know, and it kind of sounds cheesy, but uh, we, we do do this a lot in ultra running. We are there for each other. And I think that's wonderful part of the sport to see everyone coming together for someone else's achievement, really. But this will be the biggest team achievement from all of the races that I've ever run. I mean, this is really incredible. And if I don't have the motivation and the will and the drive from all of that, then there's something wrong in on the day. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think it's amazing. And what's what's interesting is I never thought about it much, but you've done a lot of your races like pretty much solo or maybe with one person, two people on crew. You know, you're you're not the type of person that I could imagine rolling up with a 20-person entourage. Um, that's just not the Dion that I know. That comes probably from my multi-stage racing, which is where my running career, if you like, took off from, was, was being out at races for a whole week, running 155 miles over six stages, seven days, carrying your food and kit to survive the week, um, which is, of course, where my story with Gobi comes from as I'm running across the race in China and Gobi comes out of nowhere and starts running with me. You know, besides Gobi, uh, those early races, those races that I've ran all around the world, that's really up to you and making it to the next aid station to get the water supplies to keep on running. And, of course, I'm there to compete and try and win the races as well. I guess my first 100 milers and those early races, I still tried to have that mindset of, I can do it on my own and I did a lot of the triple crown on my own and I really only had uh, one pacer and one crew uh, at Moab so um, you know I'm pretty incredibly proud of doing those things on my own and battling through and getting through it but oh my goodness crew and pacers certainly are pretty awesome as well so it's a luxury it's a luxury it really feels like a luxury right absolutely I mean I know it was, it was nice that you found Gobi and all but I still think, for me, the most vivid part of your your first book is you like curled up in a sleeping bag eating pork and beans. Like I can't get that out of my head. Pre race, just like cold, cold, right? Just that still happens today. Maybe not necessarily a can of beans and uh, cold meats, etc. Um, you know, when I went out to do Delirious two hundred mile race in uh, Western Australia. I was eating meat pies and hamburgers and, and, you know, you've done the Triple Crown, the food that you can put into your body and, and I'm up the front of the race and uh, everyone's just amazed that, you, you know, you can, you can eat real food and you can have fun along the way and, and that's what it's all about as well and I want to make sure at Bad Water, one, I eat plenty of tasty food but we all have fun together as well and, of course, fun over 135 miles and 30 hours might be a little bit stretched at times but... It really is just trying to make the best of every moment that we get together and uh, and running such a great race. 
I mean, let's let's dive into bad water. Uh, how how has heat training been for you? Because it sounds like from my limited research so far, it's like that is a key element of going into this race. Like, have you done in some of the stories behind how people have done heat training? Could be its own podcast series. Have you? unhooked the dryer vent and like ran on a treadmill or like have you done anything crazy to heat train or, or what is what's been your strategy so far and and that played a big part of my multi-stage races when i was living in edinburgh and scotland had the treadmill the heat is burning up the electricity getting the heat onto me and uh now i'm fortunate enough to be down in vegas to uh where it's over 100 degrees a day anyway so that's that's really um I've got a couple of weeks until Badwater. That's really been a week of training already out here. Just moved here from Tahoe. So uh, I think that's going to be enough for me. I'm normally pretty well adapted to the heat, having grown up in central uh, Queensland and a really hot, dry, humid environment anyway. So fingers crossed I can hold on to that. I haven't joined the gym and gone to the, the sauna and done some of the things, which I know is really popular with a lot of the runners. I'm hoping the dry heat here is enough for me, and uh, we'll see you on the day, I guess. Well, you spent a little bit of time in Arizona, right? And those look like pretty pretty hot runs. I mean, you and Lucia's Instagram updates and Facebook updates were like, whoa. You think back to Cocodona, what we were out there at that time, and uh, you know, I was due to actually go to Cocodona this year and run it, but got selected for bad water, and my... Um, priorities I guess shifted a little bit for the moment but it was warm out there and so I've been uh, in Arizona for most of the winter which is really fortunate I think we had one day of snow in Phoenix uh, in Prescott sorry and uh, that was it so I was blessed especially when I saw some of your social media posts and uh, you know the conditions that you guys had much different I mean tell me a little bit about what you just said in terms of your priority shifting what, how important is Badwater to you? How thankful, how selective is this race? Like, tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Well, Badwater is uh, an invitational only race. 100 runners from around the world are selected to run the race. And I really first sort of got to know a bit about the race was back in 2016. And I ran my first 100 mile race in China. And it was the Mount Galagong Ultra. And at the time, Chris Kosman from Badwater, the race director, of course, was associated with the first ever event out there. And he brought quite a few runners, including Patrick Corbett, uh, Jimmy Dean Freeman, uh, some other, uh, Andrea Kuhn, sorry, I'm just trying to think of everyone. And uh, there were so many runners there from Badwater that had ran the race. People like Mick Thwaites and Dan Lawson were there. And I got talking to these guys about Bad Water and just how extreme it was and how um, unique the race was and how difficult it was to, to be out in the middle of Death Valley running 135 miles that having ran multi-stage races in the heat before, it really intrigued me as to whether I could go out there and run this race as well. So I was fortunate enough to spend some time with Chris at Mount Galagong and talk to him about what the requirements were for running bad water. And he said to me, you know, you've got to uh, run a few more hundred milers, get ready, come back and knock on the door when, you, when you're ready. And it was always something that was sort of lodged in the back of my mind. 
Of course, at the same time, my story with Gobi was going gangbusters all around the world, and we released the book, and uh, my commitment sort of shifted with where I was going to go with my running life, and I ended up going down a completely different track, moving away from multi-stage races, going into the 200 milers, and then uh, back in 2019, completing the Grand Slam of Hundreds, which has really given me the CV to be on the same level as those awesome runners that I mentioned to you earlier there, to be, to be able to at least apply for the race. So, you know, I feel really uh, humbled and lucky and uh, I'm looking forward to, to doing my best and giving it my best. And I think this has probably been the best avenue for me to be there on the start line. I'm not 100% fit. I've got a few niggles, but I'm ready for it. I'm here and it's it's all sort of fallen into place better than it could have ever if I'd have come over from the UK as I would have done previously. I mean, I'll, I'll follow up with Chris is one of the nicest, smartest guys I've talked to in a long time. Um, he, he took a half an hour of his time and this is, you know, uh, several weeks prior to, uh, his big event of the year, sharing everything he, he, you know, he could with me about getting all the, you know, the abilities to be able to film this event as a, a crew and pacer, nicest guy in the world. And man, he's, he's famous for, I think believe turning down david goggins and i think he's in goggins book as saying like sorry like can you do can you do a little bit more and maybe i'll i'll take you on next time which is crazy same thing happened to me he uh he turned me down he back five years ago you could actually apply without having done the 300 mile races or more that you need to apply for now uh, you could actually go there on past experience. So my multi-stage racing was good enough uh, to be able to apply, and he was happy to accept my uh, application at the time. But he rejected it on this basis that they had uh, another multi-stage racer, Mohammed Hansel, won Marathon de Saab, I think five times, Moroccan runner. He'd actually come out there in the same year that I was, I'd met Chris, and he didn't finish the race. So Chris had this sort of thought that, you know, if Muhammad can't do it, well, I probably can't. This time kind of said, go away, do a little bit more, come back, and that's what I've done, and, and that's what I put into my application. And to be fair, like, you know, was I upset about it at the time? Yeah, I was a little bit annoyed and upset and thought, you know, I could go out there and show these guys that I can finish the race. That's my goal. Um, but now... It's a better time for me, and I think I've got a way better crew that I could have had anyway. So I'm I'm really happy for the the way it's turned out. So it's it's rare that he actually lets people in that have not been out there to crew or pace, um, and that just speaks of of your your background, obviously, as a you know one of the best when it comes to these long distance, just stupid hard races. Else from the crew's been out there as well, and. <laughs> well, we might be in trouble. But thankfully, Joe, who's one of the crew, used to be a ranger out there for many years. And his wife, Nancy, who I kind of mentioned earlier, she's one of the six. Uh, she's going to be at Lone Pine, uh, where you're allowed to actually meet your honour. Nancy also was a ranger out there for many years as well. So their knowledge of the whole of Death Valley is probably right up there with Chris's knowledge. And I just wanted to sort of mention that earlier as well as, you know, the amount of effort that Chris 
puts into this race is absolutely phenomenal. Depending on what mile you're on, there's like two or three different agencies involved. It's just mind-blowing. I just think the world of Chris in terms of if you haven't crewed or paced this race, like, and your resume is in line with most others, like, sorry, um, I think it's huge. Like, it, it, it speaks a lot of the level of difficulty and the level of danger in this race. If you think about the, you're right, like the heat, the distance, um, you know, many successful runners, better than, much better than me, have gone out there and blown up and struggled or had major difficulties out there. And I think that that's, that's within me, you know, those, those thoughts are within me every day that I'm preparing and planning for this race. And uh, that's one thing I definitely want to do is just go out there and run the race to finish and take it from there and really sort of chill on the, the aspect of where I'm going to place or the time and all of that, which is really irrelevant to me. And we're going to get you a buckle. So hopefully, hope, hopefully we are, are still friends at the end. Uh, no, I'm kidding. What, what scares you the most? Be honest. Is there one or two things that you think about before you go to bed or think about when you're out there training the heat that you're like, this is intimidating. Like this is the hottest race. Yeah. This is one of the toughest. I think the, I think the quote is like toughest race in the world or something like that. What, what scares you about this race? Ran in temperatures of, uh, 125 Fahrenheit, 52 degrees uh, at the Gobi desert race. And it, it pushed a lot of runners to the limits. Um, you know, I had to stop and help the main competitor that I was racing with to win the race to save his life. And uh, that actually would end up costing me a little bit sort of further down the line because I was uh, out of water myself. I'd, I'd push my limits to try and raise help. And I found myself in really dire situation where I, for, for a while I thought this could be the end of the line for me as well. And that was the first and only time I've ever genuinely felt for my life. And I remember just thinking, this is it. And it could, you know, I'm in the middle of this desert and these are your sort of last thoughts and moments. And I dragged myself to the next uh, the next bit of help and, and, of course, made it through that. But that worry and that concern and that thought is, is really frightening to have that go through your mind and to think, is this it? And... That situation could very easily happen out at, out at the Badwater race. 135 miles, temperatures are going to be around 125. They could be hotter. We've had the most extreme heat wave recently here as well. And even when it's during the night, it's 100 degrees and 100 degrees plus. So you don't get any respite during the night at time as well. And I think keeping the body in check, keeping, uh, keeping everything going is going to be really difficult. No, I've, I, I mean, I've only had that thought go through my head one time and ironically it's Tahoe 200 for me, it was a snowstorm. I felt like I was going to freeze to death, um, or go hypothermic. And then I didn't know what would happen after that, but in the snow and, and the year I did it, which was, uh, which we might've been the same year is freezing cold temperatures. And, uh, that was back in 2018. We had the snow and the reroute and, uh, Yes, I mean, what a way to go, and um, that, that's not how I plan on things happening. I mean, I, I emphasized, I tried as best I could to the community, like, 
just because this course is marked, just because there's a GPS tracker on you, does not mean that someone can actually get to you and save you. Like, you need to have the essential gear on you. And it kills me. And it's so sad hearing about all those ultra runners that passed in China during the 100K of all races. I mean, it just it saddens me, but it's also like, just put the extra jacket in there. Just put, you know, it, yeah, it's an extra few grams of weight or whatever, but like, I mean, it's just not worth it. And we get this weird sense of like security because the course is marked, you know, because someone can see your blipping dot on the computer, like I'm safe, like nothing can hurt me. But during a complete whiteout, <laughs> there's no way a search team could even have a helicopter land. Like it just, things get crazy quickly. You know, there's moments like that, that it's, it's hard to know what you do in the same situation. And, you know, we can't ever understand what those poor runners went through in the race in China. And I've raced uh, half a dozen races out there and in, in all sorts of dif difficult conditions. And, uh, you know, my book is huge in China. And, uh, you know, something that still sticks with me today when I go out running is, is just how that tragedy occurred. And it's very sad. And yeah. I, I hope the country can get past that event and, I mean, maybe reevaluate required gear and, you know, that sort of thing. But um, I want to get back to bad water, not not those cold, crazy conditions. The, the, let's talk more about the stupid hot um, conditions. They, they also have, like, massive headwinds out at bad water, and I think they, they've had crazy conditions out there as well. And sometimes when I'm running out in the heat here at the 100 degrees, I think I'll, I'll probably take some of that. But having been in sandstorms in the Gobi Desert uh, as well and many in Moroccan uh, across the Sahara, it's like, no, I don't want the head the headwind in the sandstorms and all of those things to be blowing in as well. I mean, does that just like take your skin off after a while, like being sandblasted? <laughs> Especially if you're covered in uh, uh, oh. sunscreen and things as well and everything sticks to your face. And yeah, it's... It's an awful, awful experience. And uh, my wife, Lucia, and I were actually running a 100-kilometer race in the Gobi Desert in Jaiguan and completely different race to the, to the race with Gobi. And we actually got caught in a sandstorm and you literally could not see five feet in front of you. Uh, so we just had to bunker down. We could see this sandstorm coming and uh, we bunkered down next to one of the markers and the sandstorm passed about 20 minutes later. We got up, we started to continue on. It was like, okay, we're, we're still in this race. We've still got 100 kilometers to go. Yeah, I'm sorry, we're, we've still got some kilometers to go to finish it. And uh, we get to the next checkpoint. There's no one at the checkpoint. The sort of drinks and the aid station have been blown over and everyone seemed to have disappeared. So we topped our bottles up and kept moving. About five kilometers later, this car comes up behind us and, and uh, it's people from the race and they said to us, what are you doing? And it's like, well, we're, we're doing the race. We're, we're still continuing. Where is everyone? And they said, well, the sandstorm came in. We called the race off. We've taken everyone off course. And uh, I remember saying to the race organizers, look, we just sat through this sandstorm. We've had our lives probably flash past us. We didn't know what was going to happen. It's clear now. We're still in time. I'm finishing this race. And I remember having that argument with them and dragging my wife to, I think I still had 13 kilometers to go to the finish line. 
and we finished in the time and uh you know it just it was one of those remarkable experiences of just like conditions come out of nowhere you would never have guessed that and you've you know like we mentioned earlier you've always got to be prepared you were you were at the finisher dinner it was you and lucia like where where's this promised finisher dinner um like we didn't run a 100k through a uh, sandstorm for nothing i knew your ranking was too high for for that year or two before i forget to ask if you finish bad water will you continue running or if your mind to stop at the finish line enjoy it and maybe try that another time that's a good question. Um, it's it's certainly in my mind as to whether this is the end of it all. Um, I mean, I'm 46, but the body's not holding up as well as it used to. And that, to get to the 135 finish is going to be a massive strain on my body. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with it anymore inside of my head as well. And I know that it's really – I've really had to sacrifice – a lot mentally to keep pushing to go out training and so that's that's definitely waning a little bit um hey look getting to the finish line is going to be an awesome achievement if that's the way i go out then that's pretty cool bunch of people to be doing it with and a pretty big bang so i'll I'll be happy with everything that i've achieved and the things the races that i've done the grand slam the ledman series which you're doing currently is phenomenal series the triple crown um from a fat guy making a bet with a friend as to who could run a half marathon the quickest drunk one evening to going on to do all of these things. It's been a pretty incredible turnaround to my life. And, you know, I've had a love-hate relationship with running all throughout the whole time, but it's been good for me, that's for sure. It really has. It's helped me mentally, but also physically massively. Going back to the start line of Badwater, and... I like that answer because a lot of my question was specific to just the tradition of the the longer Badwater race um, and, and running, I, I think it was 146, I think, traditionally. Um, but I, I like that answer because it, it tells us even more. So that will we'll shift gears out of that one. Um, but the beginning of this race... Like, can you walk the listener viewer through what your expectations are? Like, are you going to be running hard when it's hot and sunny? Like, walk walk the pacer through some of the expectations too. At the start line, there's three different start lines, and I'm starting in the last wave, the 11 o'clock group, and there's 30 runners, I believe, in that wave. And the, the winner comes from this group. There is some phenomenal runners. There's previous winners in that group. You're talking Harvey Lewis, uh, Pete Kosselnicks, and I'm going to be at the back of those 30 runners and and looking at them in awe as they all race off. That's that's how I want it to be because I want to just settle into my own groove. I don't want to get caught up in something that I can't do, and I want to really just sort of see how I can maintain throughout the whole 135 miles, which has been one of my strengths throughout the 200s because of the things that I've got going on with my hips and a bit of my lower back. I really need to keep things in check, keep the ego in check, which is not a real problem for me when it comes to... I I mean, when I think of biggest egos in the sport, I'm like, Dion's number one. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
You're the most humble guy in the world, honestly. Enough ego and uh, already going to be in that group of 30 to be able to watch them and to see them do their thing. And, and that's cool. And, and that's what they use to motivate themselves. And uh, I guess I'm just a different character in that aspect. And uh, running's a different beast for me. It's not, it isn't, it isn't that for me. So um, good, good luck to those, those people. I think we're learning why why you and I get along so well, maybe here. Like my perspective's from middle back of the pack type mentality, and it's almost like you have that mentality, although your your physical ability is so much better than mine. Obviously, um, it's really interesting. Underdog though in life, growing up, leaving home at an early age, having nothing, putting myself through school and through life and trying to make the most out of every bad situation. And I think I've taken a lot of that into my running as well. And that's kept me grounded and that's kept me level. And, you know, I work hard and I'm, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near as good as those runners we mentioned. And, but hopefully over 135 miles, I can maybe creep up to the back of a few of them. Yeah. Have you changed your training? Have you changed your diet in anticipation of bad water? I haven't changed the diet. I mean, I'm, I, uh, you know, I, I eat clean, I eat meat, uh, I have been vegan and it hasn't necessarily worked for me as probably as well as I'd like to, but I, I don't want to blame the diet because the, the body has been an issue and that stopped a lot of my training as well. So I I've never really been able to get those two to gel and to make it work for me. Um, the training has had to be a little different and my, my mileage is going to be well down on a lot of the top runners. I'm running 70 miles at best, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, I can't change what it is. And yeah, I'm, I'm just looking to get to that finish line. My, I would like to do under 30 hours, but I'm not going to be uh, much under that if, if at all. So we'll, we'll just have to see. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. Like, what is the right weekly mileage to finish successfully a 135-mile race? Like, I've heard, I've heard people that have, have done 150-mile weeks and sat down and talked to them. And I've talked to people that have done equally as well that have done 40, 50, 60-mile weeks. So it's, it's really fascinating, the dispersion there. Like, there is no one way to do it like and i think you might surprise yourself i think everyone is different aren't they and it comes with living work children like you have sacrifices and and having a life as well and i, I think i really try to keep the balance on that and you know don't let running take control of things which which can ha easily happen and I, I try to get the balance right and try to make it fun and Life's, life's worth living. You only live once and uh, you got to make the most of it as well. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I'm, I keep reminding myself, I'm, I am who I am. It doesn't matter if I have the best race or DNF, like, because there's a tendency of ultra runners to get in this like rhythm of like, I'm a good person because I did well in this race or, you know, some kind of weird kind of rhythm to their life or like I didn't do a great race so I'm like lesser of a person and it's like too because no one ever yeah. asks you well hey what time did you do at Badwater what, what time did you do in the in the triple crown and 
for any race, it's um, yeah. I, I, I guess I just don't find it that important either. And you know, we've got the most awesome crew coming, and uh, it's going to be great to be able to share some miles with you as well. And you've been training hard, like out there doing you know, racing Leadman series, and uh, that's phenomenal as well. So it's going to be cool to hear your stories from the couple of races that you'll have done. I appreciate it. Like there was a moment face covered in dirt after crashing my mountain bike where I'm like, oh crap. Like Dion is going to be missing a pacer and then, cause you only get three or four. And then, I mean, Leadman was in jeopardy and like everything that I had kind of mentally pictured for the year was in question. So I'm just thankful that things clicked into place. Like, Thank God, that was weird. In series as well, I know how tough a challenge it is and how much effort it takes to to uh, get through each of the races to have that injury as well. It's like, that's that's definitely not what you need. And you've got the bike race, 100 miles of something that is, is different to what you, you can do the running, you can do the aspects of that, you know how to complete 100 miles. The bike race is the huge sort of unknown and it's the one that you put the sort of time and the effort in and then, of course, to have the accident, it's like all of those things are going to be uh, – it's it's the battle to finish this this awesome series. So and I think I finished with uh, six minutes. I was the last finisher before the gun went off, and I think I was the 11th last finisher of the race from chip time. So I got the, the, uh, I got the bullet out of Ken's gun to say that I was, I was the last across the finish line from the gun time. You know, it was – Coming up on the boulevard, I actually finished with 11 seconds, I've just, just been told, 11 seconds. Coming up on the boulevard, I think there's a mile to go from the end there to the finish line. There was, you know, minutes in it. People were getting on behind me, pushing me on my bike up the hill to then go down into, I think it's Harrison Street in Leadville to the finish line. And I didn't know if I was going to finish. And the whole damn thing rested on me getting across that finish line in time to be able to complete the series. And the support was the best support I've ever had. And it was so humbling, like, you know, maybe running a lot of races. I've won races around the world and have been at the front and I've experienced that. But finishing, like, that far back and having to had to dig so deep and to keep pushing and to not know if I was actually going to finish this really brought me back into it because I, I know I can finish most of the races that I I go and run at. And this was, it was just like mind-blowing. It was, it was phenomenal. The lead man support, you'll have experienced it already, is phenomenal. That's, that's amazing. I had no idea it was down to 11 seconds. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but... It's it's a challenge. It's a tough going up Columbine. I mean, if you, you if you haven't had the chance to ride up there yet, if you've got to go and do it. It's the downhill is like the bike is out to the side. You're hanging on. It's like watching the the guys at the front and the girls at the front. I mean, they're just phenomenal. They, I could never be that bike rider. Well, and they they changed the cutoffs at least for the run. They pushed everything up thirty minutes. So I'm like, great because you know. Uh, trying to do lead man this year, um, so we'll we'll see. I'll we'll have time to chat about that one. It's great to watch it, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on with it. You know, 
I'm more in to be just dead honest. So the bike of the Leadman series is intimidating. Pacing Badwater uh, and crewing is honestly, I put them equal. Like I literally, I went out for a run today, tried to time it out with the hottest point in the day, which, you know, makes things just slower, more miserable. But, you know, I, I want to be there for, for your race. I'm also, I mean, if the listener viewer isn't aware already, like Dion and I are going to try to make a film about Dion's race. And then I'm thinking about doing a separate kind of like pacing bad water as a film, just separate kind of more GoPro, like off the cuff type stuff. And then make like a legit, you know, coverage of your race. So a bit of a thought about that yesterday. I was running along and actually Lucia came out with me and I said to her, it's like, you guys are going to be in that car for 135 miles. Best case scenario, it's 30 hours. Worst case scenario, it's 40 odd hours. That's a long time to be together. And then every two and a half miles, water, food for me, preparing, pacing. I think that starts 70-ish miles in. You guys have got like a good 60 miles of pacing to be able to done in. 120 odd degree heat. I mean, it's it's going to be a sweaty, hot mess in that car, and then to have to get in and out. Besides yourselves, is going to be uh, it's going to be incredible to watch. And I said to her, it's going to be like the road trip from hell. The film should really be called "Are We There Yet?" That's what it should be called. <laughs> Are we there yet? The road trip from hell, pacing bad water. <laughs> it's it's like our our film covering your race can be just cinematic, beautiful, win awards, but. More people want to watch the smelly van full of pacers. Documentaries or movies about the crewing and the pacing aspect that really give it the time that it's worth because it's so important. It's As I said earlier, I think it's going to be easier to run the race than to do the crewing and pacing aspect. So to sort of have you filming and covering that and less of me will be will be, will be fine by me. It'll be good. I, I reckon it'll be great. Great to see it. So... And again, I'm I'm honored and just like super appreciative that you invited me to be part of your team because I know how important this is to you. I was just talking to Chrissy, my wife, saying like, if I ever had the opportunity to race this, like I'd drop everything and do it because there's only a hundred people in the entire world that are offered this spot. So there's eight billion people out there maybe a billion runners who knows but a little sort of line i read was or heard uh was you know more people have climbed everest than completed bad water and it kind of puts it in perspective like you got to make it to the finish line to be able to get that buckle and your crew and your paces are all part of that as well and it's going to be a massive challenge and I, it really shows you how tough the race is going to be and I'm I'm up for it. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be a blast. Yeah. I mean, we should do Everest also together at some point. I mean, I'll finish with one last question. And as always, I really appreciate your time. And and Dion's been a buddy. He's I I interviewed you with like the most cheap kind of rookie microphones that were so sketchy like a long time back. So um, yeah, if you're ever in Denver. 
studio interview with you and Lucia, like you're always invited over. Um, I want to ask you one last question. What advice do you have for someone that dreams of running the toughest race in the world, Badwater 135? That's a good question. You know, probably if you asked me that again during the race, it'd probably be like, don't do it. I don't know. I mean, you've got to do it for your own reasons and I've got to work out why I'm doing it, I guess, as well. And, uh, you know, I normally talk about like having the why and this, I think you you sort of alluded to it earlier, is like having this, I invited you to come and be part of that and I invited Aaron and Joe and Lucia and um, there's four people that I want to be there for that moment and as long as that moment is and uh, to have that experience together, that incredible opportunity, especially after what we've all been through over the last 12 months, is going to mean so much to me. And uh, I just, you know, that's going to keep me going for 135 miles and to know that everyone's there for me and for their, for that reason alone, I, I, that's my why, you know. And I want it to be fun. I want it, my mind to be just clear of everything and enjoy the moment and, and make the most of it. And I think that's, that's the advice. Go and run and have fun and enjoy it a little bit more and um, don't take it too seriously as well, which I think we're all a little bit guilty of at times. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I'm i not flying out to, to crew and pace anyone at Badwater. Like truly, your, your friendship means a lot to me. And uh, I'm super excited to be out there and, and try to do everything and anything to get you to the finish line so i'm i'm super excited and again i put my fear level equal to the hardest of all the lead man challenges the bike for me this year with with trying to crew and pace during this just horribly challenging race like uh, i'm really proud of of you know the effort you're going to put forward there so I really appreciate it and uh, you know it means a lot for me that you're coming and sacrificing so much and your family is as well and you know that's that just makes it all the more better like and humbling and just just incredible you know I, I can't even find the words to I don't think people know behind the scenes like my response was I'm 100% in if my if my mom or dad or both of them can help with the kids and my wife because I can't strain like it's it's a multi day. It starts on a Monday, is that correct? The nineteenth, and so I mean, you got to travel. You got there's so much preparation ahead of time. It's almost like a week long event, and you know, it's worth of driving, staying the night, check in, race stuff, racing, thirty hours of racing, maybe forty, sleeping, driving back to Vegas. It's yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be cool five days though, so wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. Well, so so shout out to mom and dad there. Thank you for coming through. You know, checking in on your grandchildren, your daughter in law, like awesome of you guys. But Dion, where can people follow you on social media if they haven't already? Uh, the, my I I guess uh, from a running point of view, it's Dion Leonard Ultra Runner on Facebook. And uh, everything else is at Finding Gobi, of course, which is my book and the movie is going to be made. And uh, yeah, everything there. You can see Gobi anyway, if you don't want to see me, that's that's cool as well. 
and if if you don't mind, Lucia's. Do you know Lucia's uh, social handles too? Because she she gives a lot of really cool. Like I saw you run past her uh, in in her uh, in her update today. I commented like, "Who is that flash of lightning that came through?" <laughs> yeah, she's uh, at running Dutchie. She's a coach, nutritionist, and uh, you know she lives and breathes running, and she does a lot more on social media than I do. Uh, from a running point of view. So she's definitely worth a follow, yeah. I agree. Dion, thanks so much. And just always, you know, appreciate your time. And I'll see you in a few weeks here. Hey, looking forward to it. Thanks, uh, Rob. Really appreciate it. Episode 173, big thank you to Dion for taking so much of his time. Can't wait to share his experience. My experience pacing and crewing, but his race. And I mean, this is a hard race. Bad water is no joke. The more I research it, the more I'm just like mind blown. And definitely check out YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe there. And I will have Attempting Leadman episode three, kind of pre-race, pre-Silver Rush 50 race thoughts there. Big shout out to you Patreon supporters. Really, you guys help so much. And you just it's a fun group. So I really appreciate you guys. Definitely check out the show notes for Hammer Nutrition, for Exoskin some coupon codes there. Have a great week, guys. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See you.